Acclaimed author Salman Rushdie was stabbed in New York over the last week. He was giving a speech about why America is a safe haven for political exiles from other countries. How ironic is that? Did America just witness the turning tide for the freedom of speech, or has something been bubbling under the surface all along? Plus, it's back to school time, or if your kids are going to public schools, it's back to indoctrination time. And I want to help you fight for their soul. I want you to be equipped and well-read on what's going on in public school systems right now as we speak. And we do an in-memoriam for COVID crazy here on your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. The Deep End. Ah, yes. Everybody, welcome back. 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. And it is episode, what, three already? Three, episode three of The Deep End, season six. And welcome back to everybody here today on The Deep End. We are going to talk about a lot of things and hopefully equip you for how to raise your kids in a very secular age. I want to call it a new Babylonian age here in America. But first and foremost, um, Sometimes I have to just brag a little bit about how often the channel hits it right on the nose. I got to give you a deep end follow up from last week. The deep, deep, deep end follow up. So last week I reported to you about how TikTok has this oversized influence from the Chinese Communist Party and that through the app, the very popular video social media sharing app, TikTok, the Chinese Communist Party might be, or probably is, influencing an, a whole generation of Americans to get gender confused, get crazy, get stupid, while at the same time educating their own constituents, uh, young 14, 12-year-old Chinese kids. Forbes reporting, this is from Forbes.com. The title of the article is LinkedIn profiles indicate 300 current TikTok and ByteDance employees used to work for the Chinese state media and some still do. Yikes. Okay, so yeah, remember we talked about that Trojan horse that is definitely coming into our country? Who would have thought that the Trojan horse of the 21st century would be this guy? Um, unbelievable, but here we are, and just pay attention to it. If you didn't watch last week's episode, go back and watch it. It's worth the watch. I think one of the best episodes we've ever done on the harm and the potential harm that TikTok has on your children and on our culture. By the way, if you are not liking the videos if you are not subscribed to the channel you don't get updates on your on smartphone when we go live make sure you're clicking all those buttons especially that one right there the ring 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 bell to make sure that you are uh, notified on your smart device every time we go live back in the new studio and we are glad to bring you the deep end news tonight deep, deep, deep end news the news you choose if you could choose news salman rushdie uh indian born author also a British citizen and uh, was raised Muslim, known for his book, The Satanic Verses. He's a very well-published author. He's written several books, uh, but his most prominent book, most well-known book, would be The Satanic Verses. It's a novel. It's a comic novel. It's kind of a, a satire on the Islamic religion, but not really. He talks about how some verses were taken out of the Quran because they were deemed satanic and this all earned him a fatwa from the supreme leader of Iran in 1989. A fatwa is an official Islamic decree, and this decree was calling for his death. Since that time, since 1989, uh, Salman Rushdie has been under police protection in Britain. The London Times once named this man the 30th greatest English author of all time. Since 2000, he's lived in the United States. 
He is a resident author at NYU. And Iran's government, to their credit somewhat, I guess, has long since distanced themselves from Khomeini's decree in 1989. But anti rushdie sediment lingers still to this day. In 2012, a semi-official Iran uh, religious foundation raised the bounty for Rushdie's death from $2.8 million to $3.3 million. This man has a bounty on his head because he wrote a book that some Muslims have interpreted as insulting the prophet Muhammad. Is it true? <laughs> no, but you know, they, we live in a culture where some religions tend to blow things way out of proportion. And some religions, you can't speak ill of them or they will kill you. And do your research on that to make sure that what I'm saying is true. So this past week, Rushdie was attacked in a Chautauqua Institution in Western New York while giving a speech about how America, ironically, is a safe haven for political exiles from other countries. This is from USA Today. Someone Rushdie stabbed, author taken off ventilator after attack on the road to recovery. Thank God, because this man is a harbinger for free speech. From USA Today, this article is carried by MSN, but nonetheless, a best-selling writer whose work has previously led to two death, to death threats suffered wounds to the neck and abdomen when an assailant attacked him as he was about to give a lecture at the Chautauqua Institution in Western New York. New York police said a state trooper signed at the event took the suspect into custody after the attack. In the news conference Friday afternoon, the suspect was identified as Hadi Matar, 24 years old, of Fairview, New Jersey, according to the New York State police uh, office. So President Biden, to his credit, released a statement on Saturday saying he and First Lady Jill Biden were shocked and saddened about the vicious attack, adding that he was grateful to the first responders who rushed up to Rushdie's side. Salman Rushdie, this is a quote from Joe Biden, with his insight into humanity, with his unmatched sense for story, with his refusal to be intimidated or silenced, stands for essential universal ideas. Biden said in a statement, these are the building blocks blocks of any free and open society. This is huge news. I mean, the president has to make a remark about it because uh, the, 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 the irony of this event. Here you have a guy who has been given asylum by the cultural West, which is you know Great Britain and the United States. Uh, since 1989, who's been protected in large part by our government, by our society, which, you know, used to <laughs> stand for free speech in totality. And now he's getting attacked on the very soil that should give him political asylum. What does this say about the trajectory of our culture? Uh, it says a lot. By the way, Rushdie's assailant, again, is a 24-year-old, oh, what was his name? Hadi Matar. This um, this is his license here. We'll put this up on the screen. Uh, he had a falsified license. He is a 24-year-old Shiite immigrant immigrant from South Lebanon. And his fake driver's license carried the name Hassan Muganaya, which is honoring or uh, some kind of name that honors uh, extreme Shiite uh, Islamism. Islamism? Islamic religion, <laughs> Islamic faith. His Facebook page expresses love regularly for the Islamic Republic. Rushdie, uh, thank God, attacked but not killed. And free speech might be next. Might be next in this country. Author J.K. Rowling, also a Brit, expressed sympathy on her Twitter page. She just replied to a tweet describing the incident. She said, feeling very sick right now. Let him be okay, to which a Meir Saif Asif Aziz responded to her tweet, don't worry, you are next. Unbelievable how <laughs> Twitter lists those kind of things just kind of stick around. Look, 12 hours ago, and I don't remember where I screen, when I screenshotted this, but, but this is astonishing 
to see that right there on the open, uh, speech is attacked with violence. Speech is attacked with violence. And how did we get here? We got here because of the educational indoctrination system of our country. And more on this in the show than ever before. We are going to explode your mind today with what's going on in the public school, public education system. And you cannot afford to be ignorant of this, especially right now. Here we are the second week of August. Your kids are going to be going back to school. You want to make sure that you are aware of all the things that are coming for your kids in the publicly funded educational system that is American education. How do we get here? Uh, how do we get to the point where comedians such as Dave Chappelle are attacked on stage while delivering comedy? Uh, this attack on stage just happened back in May, but it was following the controversy over his quote unquote transphobic language in his previous Netflix special called The Closer. And it was just a few months before that that Chris Rock was assaulted by Will Smith at the Oscars over a joke about his wife's uh, alopecia problem. This is a series of events getting worse, my friends. And it all points to a collapse in one of the hallmarks of American civilization, the freedom of speech. Pierce Morgan was on Bill Maher's Real Time on Friday night, and he talked about the fact that the numbers are not looking good for the next generation when it comes to free speech, especially in the educational system. He said 86% of British college students want trigger warnings on any material they find offensive in their universities. So if they might get offended, they want trigger warnings on that material. And that also includes things like Canterbury Tales and Shakespeare. <laughs> Great works of literature could trigger the next generation. They want warning labels for Shakespeare. Heaven help them. 36% of British students want faculty fired for using offensive language. By the way, that's happening right now in the United States, in San Diego University. A professor was removed, suspended from teaching two of his classes for using racial, slur, racial slurs during a class discussing offensive speech. Now, mind you, this class has been taught for 20 plus years by the same 25 year long professor at San Diego State University. And in that class, he educates the children or the teens or the, the students on <clears throat> what counts as offensive and what doesn't count as offensive. And because he puts the offensive words on the screen, he put them on the screen. Okay. The kids were so triggered that the university was so triggered. They demanded the professor's suspension and the university obliged the whining, complaining students. This is a tenured professor. Do you know how hard it is to get canceled and removed when you're a tenured professor in the university system of this country? He was, he was suspended from his classes because kids whined and cried. The most coddled generation in American history is getting tenureship in a university upended. The rules are completely changing to appease this very vocal, very offendable minority. <laughs> Uh, anyway, as he claims that the university did not notify him about the claims beforehand and he did not have a chance to defend himself before being removed from the courses. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is all the result of what was begun in the 1990s as quote unquote politically correct speech, politically correct speech. Whenever I heard that term, I knew we were in trouble with free speech. I knew it. And if you didn't know it, uh, maybe you know it now. We, we just decided the term certain language correct politically and certain language not correct politically. And this created a slippery slope where we have come to in 2022 that words are now considered violence. And since they are considered violence, 
Now we can use physical violence to fight back. This is not appropriate, but this is the philosophy of the next generation. And I don't know who said it. I forget. I've said it on the show before. It might have been Abraham Lincoln that the philosophy of the classroom in one, and in one generation is the philosophy in the courtroom in the next generation. So if you want to see where America's headed, look at what's happening with the university students. And right now, there are harbingers for very bad things concerning the freedoms that we currently enjoy in, in America because of all this nonsense. And the edu educational system, the, the, the beast that runs the system is just fine with reproducing this mindset in the hearts of the children. Uh, a study on college education through the Freedom of Information Act has found out that free speech is a minority issue when it comes to orientation materials in public universities and colleges. So 30% of the orientation materials deals with free speech on college campuses, but 90% of those materials deals with diversity, equity, and inclusion, D-E-I. By the way, the last two words should be reverse, so it's D-I-E because free speech is going to die on the altar of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the university system and ultimately in the culture that we know of as America. No wonder, though, why so few people are speaking up and speaking out about this incredible movement in our country. They're being educated that way to stay silent. This is exactly what Hitler did. This is what Mao did. This is what every totalitarian regime has done since the dawn of time. Certain speech is deemed inappropriate. Therefore, if you speak it, we will shut you up and silence you and cancel you and, and one day imprison you because you spoke the wrong words. Thankfully, on this channel... Hey, 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 I speak up and many of you appreciate it. And I connect with you on a regular basis. And I'm so glad that you do. Let me know in the comments where you are watching from. And let me speak up for a moment about something that I'm proud of. Okay. Because from the beginning of the COVID lockdown, we saw again, speech was under attack. Big tech sided with big government, which sided with big pharma and created this conglomeration that controlled us for two and a half years. And the moment that the COVID lockdown began, the moment, not, well, not the moment, no, that's not fair. I would say about a month into the COVID lockdown, I began to get suspicious of what was happening, suspicious of the entire event. So this news from the CDC in Deep End News here, finally, the news we've all been waiting for, COVID is over. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is from PBS NewsHour. CDC relaxes COVID-19 guidelines, drops quarantine and social distancing recommendations. Basically, it's back to normal, friends. Quote, the CDC no longer advises staying at least six feet away from other people to reduce the risk of exposure, a tip that had been encouraged widely since the start of the pandemic in 2020. The new guidelines de-emphasize regular COVID-19 testing in most settings, such as schools, and also say that contact tracing should be limited to hospitals and other high-risk group living situations. The distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated Americans was also removed, meaning CDC guidelines. The CDC guideline guidance is now the same for everyone. Hey, 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 that is what we call really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. When the CDC finally admits what we've known for months on this channel, and maybe you have personally, but if you haven't, man, you haven't been following the channel, you haven't been right, reading the right news, and you've been indoctrinated. Uh, that COVID-19 was not nearly as terrible as they said. The numbers were fabricated. The uh, statistics were fabricated. Uh, remember CNN with his little, his little uh, 
sidebar there on how many people died, how many people were hospitalized. And if you read the books that are coming out that I'm reading, uh, read The Body of Others by Naomi uh, Wolf, read uh, Pandemia, uh, read The Real Dr. Fauci, which I have over there. <laughs> read about this. You gotta do your own research, friends, and you've gotta see what's going on. I've done a lot of research on this channel uh, to tell you that this stuff, I, <laughs> It's manipulating us. It's manipulating the populace for the benefit of a select few. We talked about the enormous increase in wealth of Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the founders of Google. Uh, just the uh, in income inequality gap has widened because of this uh, big pharma, big government, big tech conglomeration, and you and I have been the pawns in their scheme since the beginning. Well, the restrictions are gone. There's no more distinctions between the vaccinated and the, and the unvaccinated. And thank God for all of that. But what about those people, and some of you are them, who got fired or suspended from their job because they wouldn't take the shot? The Washington Examiner reporting another piece of really good news. The Washington Examiner reporting a couple of days, no, today, sorry, today or yesterday, sorry, uh, that healthcare workers subject to vaccine mandate will get $10 million in legal settlement. Now, these people, who are these people who said no to the vaccine? Well, the article says the Coalition of Workers at North Shore University Health System in Illinois filed their suit in October 2021, alleging the healthcare facility was illegally refusing to grant religious exemptions, religious exemptions to the mandate. July 29th settlement agreement by the state's Northern District Court means 473 current and former healthcare workers are soon to receive compensation for being denied religious exemptions from the healthcare system's vaccine requirement. Liberty Council, the legal group representing 13 plaintiffs, said the settlement should serve as a strong warning to employers across the nation that they cannot refuse to accommodate those uh, with sincere religious objections to forced vaccination mandates, according to a statement from Horatio Miet, vice president of legal affairs of the group. Now, what's the payout for each worker? Up to $45,000 if you held out the whole time and didn't get the shot the whole time. $45,000 payout, not bad. Plus, I'm guaranteeing they're gonna get the job back or get a job somewhere else. And then if you eventually did cave uh, to the mandates and got the shot, but you presented the religious exemption, you're gonna get about $3,000 in compensation for your troubles. I'm so glad, by the way, as a pastor of a local church that my church made available to people a paper signed by our pastors giving a, a people affirmation of their religious conviction to refuse the jab. And if you lost your job because of this, uh, you may have a case, and I hope that you take your case to the highest course in the land, and I hope that you get the payout that you can, all the payout that you can, and then that you tie 10% to your local church. <laughs> but this is what? This is really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. Kind of reminds me, by the way, of last August when Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, uh, California, this is uh, John MacArthur's church, Grace Community Church, settled with the county of Los Angeles for a whopping $800,000. L.A. County had been fining John MacArthur and his church for holding services in open defiance of the COVID health orders of the L.A. County. They revoked a parking permit that they held with the city. Uh, the church continued to worship Christ, hear the word of Christ, and gather together as the church in spite of a little bit of a uh, COVID spread throughout their community, including with Pastor John and his wife, Patricia, uh, back, I think, last January. And yet, the payout was huge. $800,000 coming back to the church from the government. In other good news, a football coach that was fired for expressing his opinion 
is taking the university to court and he might win. This is from Reason.com. The head football coach of Illinois State uh, University, his name is Broxback. Uh, back in June or July of 2020, he removed a Black Lives Matter poster from his office door and replaced it with a poster saying, all lives matter to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, the, the guts in this guy. And then he was consequently fired for expressing his opinion in the summer of 2020. Well, two years later, he's taking his case to court, and this guy may win because, because, oh, wait for it, wait for it, the recent Supreme Court case or decision involving a high school football coach who was fired for praying at the 50-yard line after games. Reason reporting that the Supreme Court decision called uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District uh, further discusses this issue. Kennedy makes it clear that when a high school football coach engages in prayer after a high school football game, he is not engaged in speech that falls within his ordinary job duties. Just because a student or other staff member can see one exercising the freedom of speech does not transform private speech into government speech. Yes, my goodness, some sanity from the Supreme Court. Thank God for those three Supreme Court justices that Donald Trump gave us. And shame to all the Christians who thought he was a threat to our democracy. It looks like he's protected you and your right to practice your religion and upset all the pagan seculars who want to take that right away. Now, I'm a Christian in a very secular nation, and I don't want to impose my religion on the secularists at all. But I do not want the seculars inhibiting my practice of my religion wherever I am. Uh, except at work when I'm supposed to be paid to do something else. But this guy was going to the 50-yard line after the game was over and praying and inviting students if they wanted to to come pray with him, and many of them joined him. And he was taken to court. He was fired for that and had to go to court and fight for his right to get his job back. And now a football coach in the University of Illinois is fighting back as well. Americans are being tested, ladies and gentlemen. We are being uh, American Christians. American, let me, let me clarify that. American Christians are being tested like never before in our country. And they are being tested for a very good reason. I think God is allowing this. I think that God is allowing the heat to be turned up on Christianity in this country to separate the wheat from the chaff. You know what, you know what heat does to gold? It purifies it. And your faith is only purified when it is tested, when the heat is turned up and all of the fakeness is burned away. And what we are being tested against is a fundamental thought that is near and dear to my heart. Here's a fundamental thought. It pays to trust God and not government. Hey, can I get an amen in the comments below? Hallelujah. It pays to trust God and not government. I mean, how did we forget this? Uh, Jeremiah warned God's people as they were about to be overrun by the Babylonians. He said this in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. He said, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. And then verse 7, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. There it is. For its leaf remains green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Ladies and gentlemen, we are being tested. We are being Christians across this country. Wake up. If you do not have a firm conviction that the Bible is true, that God's word is still God's word, then you are going to fall for the lies of this age, the secularists want to rob you of your central trust in God. Let me put it this way, and this is a very key point to this whole episode. Uh, the secularists want you trusting God, uh, trusting government and questioning God. But a biblical mindset questions government because we trust God. You see the flip there? Do you see it? It's very important that you understand this. 
the secular society in which you live. They want you trusting government. We'll take care of you. Cradle the grave. We will provide for you. We will care for you. We will keep you safe. Now, that God thing, well, maybe you should question that. And then you go to your public university, publicly funded university. You go to your first year philosophy class, and then you lose your faith because the philosophy professor asks you questions you can't answer because you never got biblically mindset, a biblical mindset in your heart when you were young. And that's why this channel exists. That's why this channel exists. And that's why you need to like the video and subscribe right now. But ladies and gentlemen, if you don't get this order right, you are a sitting duck for the institutional systems that are coming for your faith. They want you trusting government. They want you trusting public schools. They want you trusting the health department, the health systems of our country. They want you trusting Dr. Fauci. They want you trusting the president. They want you trusting your governor, your legislator, and then question God. But have you looked at scripture? In scripture, all of God's heroes, most of them anyway, questioned government because they trusted God. I think of Mordecai, who refused to bow to Haman because he trusted God. I think of uh, Moses, who questioned Pharaoh because he trusted God. Abraham, who trusted God but then failed, trusted government, and then God brought him back to trusting God. Look, if you wed yourself to the spirit of the age, you will be widowed in the next. This is, I think, uh, Bishop uh, Fulton Sheen said this back in the 90s. If you wed yourself to the spirit of this current age, you will be widowed in the next. Because the spirit of the age is always changing. Science is always changing until it's fixed. And then it's changing again until it's fixed. Until it's changing again. And then it's fixed again for our, for our culture's ideologies, not for the truth. And see, this is why... I love what I do as a pastor more than ever before. I am having more fun as a pastor now than I have ever had before in my life. Why? Because I am seeing our culture for what it is. And it is a great joy. It is a great privilege to bring you this content to help you understand the times that we live in and to guard your heart, your mind, your spirit in Christ Jesus with truth. Now, the spirit of the age is always changing. Take, for instance, Dr. Deborah Burks. Remember that name, Dr. Deborah Burks? Here she is on the screen. She was the White House Coronavirus Respondent Coordinator, one of the federal government's most important voices during the COVID-19 outbreak. She went on Fox News with Neil Cavuto last week and delivered this shocking statement. She said, quote, I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. Read that again. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. Really? Why didn't you say anything? She didn't say anything. And she said it made people worry that it's not going to protect against severe disease and hospitalization. It will, but let's be very clear. 50% of the people who died from the Omicron surge were older and vaccinated. And then she also said, I think we overplayed the vaccine. I think we overplayed the vaccines, she said. So you have um, an esteemed and reputable doctor who made it all the way to the highest office of our federal government and now admitting the governmental response to the vaccines in the COVID-19 pandemic was overplayed. This is incredible. This is incredible to hear because it just backs up what I just got done saying. That if you wed yourself, if you wed yourself to the spirit of the age, the current age, you will find yourself widowed in the next because it's always changed. The culture is always changing. And here's how they change. They just bounce from one idol of culture to the next 
bouncing back and forth. Oh, science, science, science. And then when science doesn't fit our internal narrative about who we are, well, 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 forget biology and forget XY chromosomes and forget the truth of science because now feelings and identification and, and your autonomy are most important. So now it's not science, now it's feelings and personal identity. And then when science says that an infant feels pain in the uterus, in the womb, at as early as 20 weeks and maybe even as early as 12 weeks. Well, we can't stop aborting children for our own profit for that reason. No, we're going to swing the pendulum from science over to feelings and financial benefit. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to know God's word now more than ever before because fundamentally, they want you to forget. They want you to forget what they did to you during the pandemic. And on the deep end, I don't want you to forget. So we're going to do a little special segment today. Since COVID's over, let's commit ourselves to remembering what they did to us in what I'm going to call the COVID-19 deep end, the deep end COVID-19 craziness in memoriam. They do this at the Oscars. Why not do it here? So cue the music and let's go. They want you to forget, friend. They want you to forget what they did to you, the rights they robbed of you, the lies they told you, and the ways they manipulated you. Remember when the president promised that if you got the jab, you wouldn't get the Rona? You're okay. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Remember it wasn't long ago when a certain mayor of New York City promised free fast food for anyone who took the jab. So that's right, New Yorkers. Get yourself an unproven vaccine and high cholesterol at the same time. Courtesy of the government. You can trust us. Or the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, offering free beer to anyone taking the jab. So an unhealthy alcoholic beverage added to the unproven vaccine. Pick up a burger in New York City and you've got a Northeast trifecta of crazy. Maybe obesity and alcohol isn't your game. Perhaps promiscuous anonymous hookups are. Well, dating apps such as Tinder, Hinge, and Bumble offered premium content to those who could prove they had been vaccinated. Ooh, feel the love. Are you jabbed? I'm jabbed. Let's get jiggy with it. Or how about when the White House warns you filthy unvaccinated slime last year at this time that you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals that you may soon overwhelm. Shame on you, scum. Or how about when the town of Elizabeth, New Jersey spied on its residents with drones to enforce social distancing. Drones to tell you, hey, Stop being human. They arrested you at the beach, both in Florida and in California. And then during the height of the COVID pandemic, entertainers and producers had the time on their hands to produce a, co a documentary, heralding and glorifying Lord Fauci for all of his knowledge. Though the audience hated it with a 2% score in Rotten Tomatoes and on YouTube, a month into its release, the documentary garnered 95,000 dislikes 
as opposed to just 7.6 thousand likes. So what did YouTube do? They decided to remove the dislike feature because after all, we can't let state-sponsored entertainment be exposed to the opinions of the proletariat. Remember also as our elite, le elitist leaders heralded the efforts of the $12 million man, Dr. Fauci, and then arrested lowly pastors in Canada and America? Yes, mostly in Canada, but some pastors in America were arrested. Arrested for what? For having church. And the people just yawned, many of them Christians. Uh, do you remember when Dr. Robert Redfield of the CDC stood before the Senate Appropriations Committee and said that wearing a mask was more important than a vaccine, and then they had to sell you on the vaccine, so two weeks later, he had to walk those comments back? Oh, yeah. Don't forget. And then in the midst of the push for the vaccines, CNBC had the audacity to put this presentation on the screen. That if you got two masks, your protection went up 75%. But if you had three masks... It went up 90%. What happens if you have quadruple masking? Is it 95? Craziness. We'll never forget. And then there was the politics of COVID. Not how we're going to handle it, but the very virus itself was political. The virus actually believed that only certain protests were a problem. Black Lives Matter protests, no problem. Capitol riot, serious super spreader event. Back to your homes or back to prison or into prison, you scallywags. Vox and Forbes and CNN and USA Today and The Insider and NBC News and Washington Post and ABC News all presented the one refrain BLM riots didn't cause COVID to spread. No, no, no. Just that one single solitary right-wing riot at the Capitol. That was the biggest COVID super spreader event in history. And you better believe it. Because after all, the government says so. And then remember when all the celebrities and important politicians gathered at the Met Gala in New York City and dined at $450 plates in $75,000 dresses in Texas while their paparazzi and servants wore masks to serve their every need? Remember that? COVID crazy. Let's not forget. Oh, and just a reminder, that designer of AOC's dress, Tax the Rich, she was in fact a rich woman who refused to pay taxes in three states, didn't pay her business rent, nor the lowly interns that worked for her details. See, they want you to forget. They want you to be hypnotized. They want you to believe they know exactly what they're doing. Because after all, they're the government. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, yes. They want you to forget. I want you biblically formed so that you're not societally stupid. Uh, I give you a couple of passages from Psalm 116, verse 11. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Man, that's what I've been saying for two and a half years. All mankind are liars. Or Romans 3, 4, let God be true, though every man a liar. And a pastoral thought for you. My pastoral thought is COVID-19 
did wonders for our church. People left and they never returned, but people came in and got saved and got baptized. In fact, we're in our church on pace to beat our all-time baptism numbers for one single calendar year. Income went up in our church, not down. Engagement went up in our church, not down. We took a hard stand. We opened our church as soon as possible, and I promised my congregation we will never close the doors again, even if the government says so. The spirit of our church is alive. Why? What happened? Well, it's actually in the word of God. John 15 verse 1 to 2 says, I am the vine and my father's a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful. Now pruning, we think of that in only like a personal sense. Like, oh, God's going to prune me through the season of difficulty that I go through. But, but pruning also happens when a church loses membership because branches are not just people. Branches are entire churches, maybe even entire denominations. And so as God sent, allowed, not sent, but allowed COVID to sweep across the country, man, it separated the pretenders from the real Christians. Sometimes God allows the liars to lead the goats away from the pasture he intends for his sheep. You see, see, I think about this, that some people needed to be removed from the church because they really weren't part of the church. They trusted God for government over God. And that made room. Before COVID, we had to raise money for a parking lot, but COVID knocked that need right out of the ballpark. And now we have room for the people who are coming in. People who don't want to trust the government because they've been disillusioned. Their eyes have been open. Like Abraham, they've realized that if they've dine with the ungodly in this generation, they could do damage to their divine destiny. So that's the news. That's the COVID in memoriam. And I want to do a segment we call Disclosure because it's back to school and your kids are under attack and there's another conglomerate, the educational health industry's efforts to divorce you from your children and you cannot afford to be ignorant of this. Let's do Disclosure. Yeah, it is back to school season, um, or as we like to call back to indoctrination season. <laughs> uh, another place where we have to question government is in the educational system of our country. Now, let me just put this up on the screen. This is a message from Wheel Cornell Medicine, New York Presbyterian and Columbia Hospital. And it's a letter to parents, and it's asking parents to make sure that their children aged 12 to 17 update their accounts with their own personal adolescent email address as the username and primary point of contact as of July 14th, 2022. Why on earth would a medical institution, a healthcare institution, want the child's personal email, a 12-year-old's personal email to be the primary communique between them and the child? What happened to parental rights? What happened to knowing what was going on in our children's lives? Well, I'll tell you what's happening here, and this is really disturbing and you need to be aware of it. What's happening is they are coming between you and your kids. Many other states are enacting these laws where healthcare services now connect directly with your 12-year-old in their email and keep you out of the loop as to what healthcare decisions your child is going to make. 
Now, a guy in Washington uh, state recorded a video on TikTok exposing what happened to him last spring as his child was exiting his year of school. Watch this. I'm going to try to make this short. If you have teenage kids in Washington state, watch this video. I get a call today from the counselor at the high school, Snohomish, Washington. They proceed to say, your child, 15 years old, did not pick up his antidepressants um, at the end of the school year. I said, he, he's not on antidepressants. Like, what are you talking about? My kid is not depressed. I got that in my teeth. Forget it. And they proceed to tell me that they had a psychiatrist come to the school and give my kid antidepressants. And he's been on them for several months. I had no knowledge. I knew nothing about it. Knew nothing. Come to find out, it's 100% legal. They could do whatever they want with our kids in Washington State in the school program. Yeah, that's kind of horrifying if you think about that. Giving your child antidepressants and not telling you about it. What would you do if that happened to you? It's unbelievable. And we had already talked about antidepressants on this channel, I think last week or two weeks ago. You, you got to get the research yourself and understand what's going on here. Why are they drugging up our children? Why do they so desperately want to pander to our kids' least common denominator emotional hangup and drug them? Another dad took to social media to describe the following interaction his three-year-old had with their pediatrician. You won't believe this. Watch. All right, I need to know if any parents of young kids have had this same experience. So we just took my three-year-old son in the doctor for a checkup. My three-year-old son. Okay, there's a reason why I'm emphasizing that, and you're about to know why. So my wife and I are waiting in the room with our son, and the doctor comes in. And he sees my son sitting there on the table, and the first question that he asks him is, Are you a boy or are you a girl? And I look at my wife like, what the f So luckily my son understands obvious tenets of biology at three years old and says that he's a boy, just like his chart says. So the rest of the appointment I can't even focus because I'm wondering why in the world this guy is asking the question. And then I remember, oh yeah, I live in California. And call me paranoid, but this is where I think we're heading based on other things that have happened. An Ohio couple lost custody of their teenager for refusing them hormone treatment. And a divorced Texas couple were in a court battle over whether or not to let their seven-year-old transition from a boy to a girl. And many are saying that the new proposed Equality Act could lead to more parents losing custody of their kids who want gender transition. So again, call me paranoid, but I'm wondering if the doctor is asking the question of my son to see if he can establish a pattern over time that shows that my son wants to be a girl. But here's the thing. My son is three. I'm not even going to let him choose what he wants for dinner. Mm. And some days, my son thinks he's a dinosaur but I'm not gonna let him transition to a dinosaur. And being in California, this is probably gonna happen to people like me first, but I don't think it's gonna be long before we start seeing parents lose custody of their young kids because they're not letting them transition to the opposite gender. And I think pediatricians are gonna be the ones who are gonna start calling it out. Yeah, he's spot on. Pediatricians are gonna start doing this to your kids and then the hospital system, the healthcare providers, and then you might lose your health insurance at your job because you didn't support your child's gender dysphoria or gender confusion or gender ideology, as I like to call it. And this out of Boston Children's Hospital, they are releasing a new website, released a new website, by the way, and a new media campaign on the wonders of providing children, teenagers, hysterectomies that affirm their gender identity. Boston Children's Hospital, the once beacon of medical advancement for children, put out a few videos talking about their wonderful program to give your 12-year-old a hysterectomy. Not a joke, a hysterectomy for your 12-year-old daughter because she feels like a boy. Uh, you're not gonna believe this. Watch. Gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. 
A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. Oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? That's such a cute little video about how we're going to ruin a child's life forever. Unbelievable. Boston Children's Hospital. Oh, and by the way, how about an answer to the question, when does a child know that they are transgender? Well, Boston Children's Hospital has an answer for that. Watch this. A child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves, and parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids, they knew from the minute they were born practically, and actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings' clothing, uh, playing with the quote opposite gender toys, things like that. There is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing that really are coming to the realization that they might be trans or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life. So what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So that is a, a growing population that, they are, that we are seeing and that's being recognized as being trans and able to be treated. Um. From the moment they start expressing themselves, a child can know that they are trans. And then if they feel like something's off, <laughs> my friends, I'm 45 years old. There's not a day that I don't feel like something's off. <laughs> I wanted to stand up and pee. Wanted to play with the opposite gender toys. And we're going to do a hysterectomy. Oh, you played with uh, G.I. Joe. Well, time to take out your uterus. Like, this is where we're going? What is going on? And this is Boston Children's Hospital. This, these people are supposed to be smart. But no, we all know what's going on. Romans chapter 1. In their thinking, they became fools because they rejected authority of God and decided to serve and worship the creation and the crea instead of the creator. I mean, this, this is crazy. And let's just put this lady up. This is another uh, Boston Children's Hospital uh, professional, I guess. Uh, when they are talking about their gender-affirming surgeries to people as young as 15. Watch. The eligibility for getting gender-affirming surgeries at Boston Children's Hospital is basically the same as it would be for most other hospitals or surgeons in the United States. And that's the case because we all follow the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, or WPATH standards of care. For top surgery, you are That's requested, but not required, to have been on gender-affirming hormones for at least a year. If you're a trans woman, it's really encouraged that you be on estrogen for at least a year because wow, you want to maximize your natural breast Man. growth. Many surgical centers require you to be 18. At Boston Children's Hospital for top surgeries, we'll see people as young as age 15 if they've been affirmed in their gender for a long period of time and don't really have any other life complications that make surgery inappropriate. You also have to come in with what we refer to as the letters. One of those letters is from the primary care provider or the hormone prescriber, basically saying that you've been diagnosed with gender dysphoria, that this surgery is appropriate for you, that you understand the surgery, and that there's no medical reasons why you can't have the surgery. The second letter is from a behavioral health provider, diagnoses you with gender dysphoria, a really good letter shares your gender history, and they gender tell us history. if there's anything we need to know about your mental health that could affect your eligibility for surgery. 
looking forward to genital surgeries. And these we really start at age 18, age 17 for very few transgender women where it's really appropriate. You actually need a second letter from another behavioral health professional. And the purpose of that letter is to make certain that you understand the fertility implications about the surgery and you're really making an informed words, decision to gone. eliminate your future fertility potential yep. if you haven't already banked gametes or done other fertility preservation. So this is from Boston Children's Hospital, where the world goes for answers or craziness, if you ask me. Uh, their own website, <clears throat> they brag about the fact that they are the first pediatric center in the country dedicated to the surgical care of transgender patients. We take an interdisciplinary approach from the start to ensure ex exceptional patient care. Our skilled team includes specialists in plastic surgery, urology, endocrinology, nursing, gender management, and social work who collaborate to uh, provide a full suite of surgical options for transgender teens and young adults. Teens and young adults. So a 17-year-old girl gets these letters from these doctors because the gender affirmation is all based on just acquiescing to what the 17-year-old feels. The 17-year-old doesn't know what the 17-year-old is, no matter what you think. I mean, these, do these people have kids of their own? 17-year-olds do not know what they are. The, 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 the science, again, back to science, pendulum swing, back to science. The brain, the frontal cortex has not fully developed until age 25. You think about who you were when you were 17. Think about who um, your, your sister or brother or, or your children were when they were seven. They don't know. My, my daughter is on the cusp of 21. She still doesn't know who she is. I mean, and we're going to take her, take away a 17-year-old a, a girl's ability to bear children for life. Because she went to a couple of people, got them to sign off on her gender dysphoria because they're too afraid to say anything because free speech is under attack. So now the gender affirming care of the counselor and the doctors, they're, they're tied up with the free speech threats and they have to acquiesce to the feelings of the 17-year-old and the 17-year-old goes to the most uh, reputable children's hospital in the, in the world to have their breasts and, and ovaries cut out because they went through a, a phase. This is unbelievable. And, and, and it's dividing, Here, here's what's happening. It's dividing parents from children. And who loves this most of all? I, I hate to sound like the church lady here, but it's the devil. The devil hates authority. Parents are a system of authority. And if the devil can undermine the authority of, of parents in the minds of children, then those children are serving sitting ducks and, and, and ultimately become stooges of the governmental systems. This is how you get a government-dependent populace in a generation. By dividing those children, by dividing families, dividing husbands and wives through no-fault divorce laws, dividing uh, wives from husbands through the redefinition of marriage, dividing uh, parental authority away from parents by undermining a parent's authority over that child's identity. The most key component of their psyche undermined by the philosophical, educational, and medical systems of our country. Now, this video was floating around on the internet yesterday, <clears throat> and I love how this girl puts it. This is a grown adult female who one time felt like a boy for obvious reasons, and she, she enunciates it so much better than I do. Watch this. So I know I'm going to get a lot of 
for this, but I actually just don't care. I'd like to publicly thank the universe and my parents for allowing me to be born into a time where they said, no, you can't change your gender at the ripe age of 14 when I asked to be a boy instead of a girl because being a girl going through puberty was hard. I vividly remember standing in this exact living room and asking my parents, can I be a boy instead? Because being a girl going through puberty was not fun. Getting a period, growing boobs, shaving your legs, shaving your armpits, waxing your eyebrows, none of that was enjoyable for me. It was awkward and uncomfortable, so I decided to do anything else, which was be a boy instead. I wore baggy clothes and I put my hair in a ponytail and I just decided, nope, not doing it. And my mom's response was, no, you're a girl. You could dress however you want, but you are a girl, that is your gender, and it is what it is. Nothing you can do about it. So yeah, I'm just very grateful that I wasn't born into a time period now where parents are getting brainwashed into responding with the words, okay, do you wanna talk about it? Mm. Nope, nothing to talk about. Vagina, girl, and it is what it is. And looking back, I'm so very grateful I didn't try to do anything to change this body because I love her and she is beautiful. I wasn't meant to be a boy, I just didn't like being a girl in that moment in time. And it's that simple. So thank you mom and dad and thank you God for allowing me to be born into a normal time period and to two parents who understood the concept of genders can't be chosen. Yeah, thank God. And I thank God that I was born when I was born. <laughs> um, because th this is really alarming. Uh, but again, it is in some ways, God, we talked about this last week, handing our society over to its own lusts and deceptions. But here's the winning combination. The state excludes you from your kids' health decisions, and then the state indoctrinates your kids in, educational, in an educational system laden with CRT, critical race theory, and LGBTQIA plus ampersand sign, dot slash period, period, ampersand sign, hashtag curriculum. The state of California being a prime example. This is a piece out of... Let's see, City Journal, um, the assault on children's psyches. California's ethnic studies curriculum is feeling a mental health crisis among teenagers. The article says, Patricia, a pseudonym, is the mother of a teenage girl who in recent years has come to identify as transgender. She lives in California, considers herself progressive, votes Democrat, and leads a group of parents of children with rapid onset gender dysphoria. Rog. Rugged. <laughs> that is, youth who suddenly experience distress with their bodies and believe that undergoing medical transition will make them whole again. When I spoke to her recently, she recounted how her daughter's at first lesbian then and then trans identity emerged in response to feelings of shame about being white. And the article goes on and says this. I have spoken to more than a dozen rugged parents parent group leaders who tell a similar story. Their schools compulsively tell children how awful it is to be white, how white people enjoy earned privilege, how they benefit from systems put in place by and for white people for the sole purpose of oppressing people of color. Plagued by guilt, the children, almost all of them girls, rush to the sanctity of LGBTQ plus identity. Once there, they are cap cat uh, catapulted into hero status. According to Patricia, some teachers at her daughter's school are more forgiving toward queer and trans kids who hand in their homework late. And then this... Uh, being white is not something these teenagers can escape, but they can mitigate its social costs by declaring themselves part of an oppressed group. And, and, then, and, and so what you have here is you have, you have teenage girls saying, gosh, I don't want to be white. So what identity can I choose? What identity can I align with to make sure that some of the heat is off of me for my horrible whiteness? Again, this is racism, but it's okay because it's against white people. Then the article says this, several of the parents I spoke to told me that their daughter's friends all identify as non-heterosexual. All! Despite none having ever kissed another teenager or been in a romantic relationship at all. LGBT identity is for them not related to sexual attraction or behavior. As Kate Julian has written in The Atlantic, America is going through a sex recession. Whereas in 1991, most teenagers would have had at least one sexual encounter by the time they graduated high school. By 2017, most had none. The vacuum left by the, the hollowing out of courting and relationships has been filled, so it would seem, by a new inward form of sexuality in which the sexual side of our nature is purely a private experience. The 1960s 
uh, sexual liberation movement has somehow bred asexual atomism. And you, you have to think about this in terms of how our government uh, and many of the powerful people in our government are convinced that we need less humans in the world because humans are the biggest cause of climate change. And our government just passed a huge climate relief bill, $400 billion of your tax money going to try to fix the temperature that the current, the current, the planet has. Like we're so audaciously prideful in thinking that we can actually fix climate change, which is just this pseudoscience based on, oh, a bad hurricane in Florida and oh, uh, a drought in California, which is normal. And, ha and, and the climate has been shifting and changing for generations. There were ice ages, there were droughts, there were famines, there were plagues. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 24. It's going to happen, it's gonna get worse. And no amount of money is gonna stop it. We cannot save the earth. The earth is doomed for destruction. And if you don't know the Bible, you don't know that. And you'll fall prey to the government is the answer for everything because they want you uneducated and they want you unreproducting dupes dependent on the system. And they want to separate you from your children to do it. To do it. So here's the educational formula right now. This is the current educational formula in our country. Let your 12-year-old make life-altering decisions by giving them a private email to access the healthcare system of their choice with the healthcare choices of their choice. Then number two, the school keeps this information from the parent. Number three, the pediatrician undermines the authority of the parent. Number four, the hospital is ready to provide your teen with life-altering surgery. And then they are scarred for life, alienated from their parents and wards or ambassadors of the state. This is how your government gets more and more control, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually runs everything about your life. Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust the government? I mean, it's all coming down to that. It's all coming down to that simple question. Where do we go from here, by the way, on trusting the science. Where do we go from here? Because I represent science. <laughs> oh gosh, no, no, not there. <laughs> but speaking of Dr. Fauci, he literally said that once, I represent science. And this week, or last week, he said now he is the truth, watch. It's called the Fauci effect, which is sort of like, you know, as, trust me, I'm, I, I don't get excited about that. <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but I mean, it's, it's I, I, people go to medical school now. People are interested in science, not because of me, because people, most people don't know me, who I am. My friends know me, my wife knows me, but people don't oh, we know, know me. Know. It's what I symbolize. And what I symbolize in, a, in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies and, and all the things you're seeing going on in society from January 6th to everything else that goes on, people the craving for consistency, for integrity, for truth, and for people caring about people. Oh my gosh. The man just said, in certain words, I am the truth. <laughs> Blasphemy. I can't think of anything more blasphemous than that. Dr. Anthony Fauci. I mean, Christians, are you still listening to this guy? Seriously, who? What's happened is America is today's Babylon. And in the ancient Babylon, the ancient Babylon that sacked the city of Jerusalem, that took its great young men and women captive to indoctrinate them into the system of Babylon and train them to be great Babylonian leaders and soldiers and warriors. Well, that Babylon provided God's people with a choice then much as America's Babylon is providing our young people with a choice now. And the sad part about it is in ancient Babylon, few of them made the right choice, few. But the few that did, we know them by name, don't we? 
Three men come to mind. Those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who answered the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who wanted him, wanted them to bow down to the 90-foot statue of himself. What'd they say? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, if you're going to toss us into that fire, the God we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Ladies and gentlemen, we know those names today because those names were held by the men who refused to follow the dictates of an overreaching, arrogant, proud governmental authority that want a total subservient service to them. We know the name Daniel and Esther and Mordecai, people, God's people who lived under totalitarian regimes with faith. We know the story too of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know how it ended, don't we? There was another one in the fire. And we sing about that and we preach about that text. And in the old days, preachers, I being one of them, used to preach the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story about going through the fire, you lost your job, or you have the health issue, or you're going through the challenge with your children. Well, now that story is a lot more real, isn't, isn't it? It's not just those smaller issues that we have gone through as a culture. Now they are gigantic issues, like what are you going to do when the public school comes between you and your children? What are you going to do when your pediatrician comes between you and your children? What are you going to do when the entire force of the government comes between you and your children? Congress just passed a huge spending bill that doubled the size of the IRS and wasted, again, $400 billion of your money on fighting climate change because they actually think they can change the weather with a few of your dollars. Some of you still don't get this. Some of you still think the government knows what it's doing. And if you read your Bible, you will know that it is our job to be biblically minded so that we can trust God and question our government. That's the way we're supposed to live. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know it's long, but I think it was worth it. I hope it was worth it. Support the channel. Hey, 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 come on. Help me get the word out about this channel. We are growing. We are thriving because of you. And if you haven't supported us yet financially, please do the cash app, Tim Hatch Live or timhatchlive.com slash support. I have a job that pays me another salary. So I don't need salary from this thing, but I want to spread this with advertisement. We're reaching out into more states than ever before, and we want to reach more people than ever before. And I am so glad for those of you who are supporting me. But if you haven't already, start doing it. Make sure, again, that you click that like button, click that subscribe button, and click that notification notification bell so that you can get notified every time that we go live make sure that you're giving the beard some love okay and uh, the deep dive bible study is coming back and ladies and gentlemen i don't think i'm gonna make it until september for this we are going through the book of first and second kings so check back here next week okay because we might be doing uh the deep dive next wednesday I mean it. I, I, I can't wait anymore. We, we've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to get back to studying the Bible. Let me know in the comments if you're excited for it. Uh, and if you haven't seen this yet, here's the trailer for The Kings of Compromise coming soon. If we ever forget one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under.
that turns its back on him. Yeah, so it was supposed to be September, but I think we're going to start it next week. Uh, let me know again in the comments if you'd like to see that content next week and not in September. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do because you love this channel. <laughs> uh, the, deep end is, the Deep End is brought to you by Tim Hatch Live. Make sure to check out the website for all the content that we have there available to you and subscribe to all of our social media channels and leave a review on our podcast app. I'm so glad that you were here. God bless you guys. Have a great night. I will see you next week on The Deep End. If you haven't been offended by this episode of The Deep End, consider supporting us today. If you have been offended, get a grip and join us next week for the next episode of The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live.